The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Rebel scum, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the bones and booth of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and a member of the Make Us Better team over on Patreon. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the practical rationality to my gut instinct. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I have been better, but I'm here, and that makes my day better already. <laughs> and I've never watched Bones. you never ever watched the show Bones? Even though that was my nickname, well, still is my nickname, but nope, never watched it. Gotcha. I don't know why. I like both of the actors. Um, I don't have a good excuse. I know that has a huge fan following, though. It does. There's a lot of seasons of it, though. So if you don't want to get into it now, I can understand. I mean, it's over now, obviously. But if you don't want to jump into it, I can understand. It's 12 seasons, I think. That's a lot of 260 some episodes. That's a lot to commit to. That is a lot of episodes. So I will say, though, is there an actor who has gone from series to series and had a longer career in television, which I'm sure there is. But David Boreans, he's been on like everything. Like he has been employed since like the mid 90s consecutively. Well, I can. Okay, that's an interesting question because I can only think of two shows he's been on Angel and Bones. Well, but he was on Buffy and then Angel and then Bones because he went from Buffy to Angel to Bones. And now he has a new show that's on that I can't remember, but it's some military something show. Uh, Yep. Yeah. But so he's been like doing television for like 22 years straight or something like that. Good for him. That's some good money. Yeah, that is some good money. And I will say, you know, I know we're not a television or a podcast, even though we always talk about TV or movies or music at the very beginning. The trailer for American Vandal Season 2 looks really good. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I did not expect that. I didn't know where they were going to go with it, but that was pretty gnarly. <laughs> did you enjoy the first season of American Vandal? I'm, I only got about halfway through, but I really liked what I've been watching. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a, I, that was a surprise show for me. I had heard people singing its praises, so I thought I would give it a checkout. And I enjoyed it far more than I should have. <laughs> like, it's a show that I don't feel like I should like, but then I really enjoyed watching. And yeah, American Vandal Season 2, it definitely looks interesting. They definitely look like they're pushing the envelope a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. So, hey, this isn't a television podcast. It is a gaming podcast. So thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Board with VG. We'll take your long form communication, Board with VG at gmail.com and use that hashtag Board with VG on all the social medias to keep us in the loop of the things that you're playing and the things that you're talking about. And if you're interested in helping make us better, check out Patreon.com slash Make Us Better. And a big thanks to all the supporters that are over there. A couple dollars goes a long way and there might be some surprises 
being announced via Patreon here soon, hopefully. We'll see what that happens. I'm not totally in charge of those things, but I hear rumblings about things that might be happening, and it sounds <laughs> great. But hey, that's enough of the housekeeping. Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Well, I got a few games to the table. I feel like I am obligated to talk about the one uh, Bob Ross, The Art of Chill. <laughs> um, so I'll kind of go over that briefly, and then I'll go over try to cover something else I want to talk about. So uh, Bob Ross, Art of Chill. It's not the Art of Chill, which seems like it should be. Just Art of Chill. So you are competing against other players to reach 30 points, which is considered chill. So the first person to be chill. Um, you are uh, painting against Bob Ross, kind of. Uh, and you have three markers, or I don't know what I want to call them. They're like, they're, you have three cubes for your color that you're playing as. And you have a, a meter or a tracker in the middle of the board where it tracks what you're painting. So you have a landscape that everyone is rushing to paint before Bob Ross does. And it has like, it's like the fluffy clouds, the uh, uh, tiny little trees or whatever they're called, all his like all his terminology or phraseology. Um, and what you do is you have a palette in front of you, a painter's palette. Is that the word? Palette? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. I'm thinking logistic and retail, so when I say palette, it doesn't make sense in my head. Okay. Because <laughs> that's a wooden object. Well, they were, yes, they're both wooden objects. Uh, so you have your painter's palette in front of you, and you, uh, the drawing mechanism is similar to Ticket to Ride. You have a deck of cards. You have four cards that get drawn out, and they have um, paint, a color of paint, and a brush on the bottom. So it's a split card. Each each one has a paint color and a brush, and it's three different types of brushes. You also have wilds, which will just have all the different colors of paints available. And you draw one card. You can also draw a card off the top without seeing, very similar to Take It to Red. Um, those are how you fill up your hand. And what you want to do is um, each landscape will have three to four different um, color combinations you need to match. So let's say like you're doing the fluffy clouds. It's like white, blue, and red. Those are the colors you need to paint that part of the picture. And you're racing against Bob on the bottom track to fill that. And if you get to a certain part of the picture before him, you get extra victory points. You also get extra victory points if you are proficient in a certain color or a certain brush type and you use that to draw part of your painting. And you get victory points for completing all three, one, two, depending on what it is, extra victory points. And you're going up that track to 30. Um, there's a there's a catch when you fill up your palette. There's uh, overlapping spots, so you can put three cards on each side, but they overlap a card that's behind it. Um, so if you needed to get to a blue, but you had a green in front of it, and green is not in that painting, in that portion of it, it's considered a mixed color, and you cannot use that color. But one of your actions does allow you to clear your palette and start over again, uh, which will help you to kind of hit those parts of the painting you can't necessarily paint with what you have. 
Um, so overall, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. It's really just a race to finish paintings. Uh, the art is nice, uh, obviously. <laughs> well, you'd hope, I mean, maybe not obviously. Uh, it comes with like a plasticky, cheapo, plasticky easel. So um, it's like gray. So it doesn't necessarily add to the aesthetic of the game. It doesn't really make you feel like you're painting on an easel, but it's fine. It's It does its job. Um, this is actually a good family game. Once you get everyone's buy-in and everyone knows what they're doing, um, I would say, I'm trying to remember the price. We get it at a Yankee swap, so I don't know the price. Um, by, uh, I think it's like 30 bucks at Target. I don't know if they have it elsewhere. I think it's a Target exclusive. I could be right. wrong, but I feel like it is. It's, it feels like it would and be. It, and it's, according to Target's website, it's $24.99. Okay, so that's a great price. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, if it has, if you have any interest at all, and it's definitely a different style of game, I don't know that there's many painting games out there. Um, so it's definitely unique in that aspect. I mean, a lot of people looked at it and kind of like, were like oh, it's just another weird, gimmicky, odd IP game. But, uh, it, you know, it has a lot more to it than, than the just, just a Bob Ross name to a game. So I would say check it out. If you're in the market for something, you know, cheap, and I would say it's like thirty to forty minute playtime, so it's not that long of a game either. That's not bad at all. Yeah, because when you think of the other games that involve painting, I like off the top of my head, there's like Fresco and The Gallerist. Oh yeah. And but other than that, I mean, I'm sure there's more. Um, but off the top of my head, like those are the ones that come in. Not that Fresco is super like heavy, but The Gallerist. Whoo. The Gallerist, yeah. It looks... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um. We also, I picked up the game at Target. I'll talk about that next week, but uh, I'll just say for now, if you see it, grab it. It's totally worth buying. And when you're saying you picked up the game, you mean the game called The Game. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, I should <laughs> say that. The game is called The Game. Um, it's by Pandasaurus Games, uh, who also made The Mind. Um, this one is a Target exclusive variant, I guess. I don't know what the original The Game looks like. Um, the original of the game is like the art. It's pretty dark. Like, is it? Yeah, I've played it before, and I don't own it, but I borrowed it from someone. Yeah, and I, the original art I remember is kind of like not super. I mean, not that it looks bad. It's just very dark. Okay. So I'll have to look it up and see what it looks like. Um, I just want to talk about we played villainous five players um, with three people who had never played before. So my folks are up on the beach for the week and I couldn't get time off of work. So I went up uh, one night and well, two nights technically. Um, so once the baby went to bed, uh, the wife and my folks and their semi-adopted daughter, who's not really an adopted daughter, was there. Um, <clears throat> so we taught them villainous. Uh, the three characters that the new people had were Maleficent, Captain Hook and the Queen of Hearts. Uh, two of those characters are relatively complex, I'll say. Mm -hmm. my, my wife got Ursula and I got Prince John. <clears throat> I will say that it was tough. Um, it really made me appreciate that this is not a entry level game, I don't think. Uh, at least based off of our experience. it's. I feel like if you catered it to people playing certain characters, it could be an right. entry-level game. But I think that uh, when you're playing, people pick characters. 
and you don't pick for them, it's definitely not an entry level game. This definitely can be quite complex. Um, so we played uh, about halfway through the game. I realized um, someone was playing their character wrong. Oh no! Uh, but not not like not so wrong that they weren't getting the idea. But uh, so I don't know if you played the Queen of Hearts, but the Queen of Hearts has the Royal Guard, who you need to turn into wickets, so the Queen can hit her wicket ball through the wickets, like right. just like the movie. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, so when you put out your guard, your your Royal Guards, you have to put them in each location, and then you have to activate them and turn them into wickets. She was just putting them out as wickets. So. Oh, okay. That makes a big difference makes it go quicker. However, it wasn't going quick at all. Right. Um, so I made, I didn't even tell anybody. I just let it kind of fly um, because you could tell there was some frustration. People weren't really getting everything. They mm-hmm. liked it. You know, they liked what they were playing, but like every turn, my dad was asking me if he can do something. What if he did this? And he was forgetting. He was first supposed to find the map to Neverland he completely forgot about that and just started looking for Peter Pan. And when he found him, he thought he was like on the home stretch. Gotcha. And I'm like, you can't, you know, and, he, and then he would think, Oh my God, I completely forgot. So there's a lot going on and trying just to explain the um, character objectives to everybody was a task of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we let it go. Um, the person who had the queen of arts ended up winning uh, anyways, because she had the shot that she needed to. Uh, she may have still won and just would have taken probably an hour longer. Oh, wow. And we were probably already two hours in. <clears throat> so we did use a fate token, so you couldn't really bully up on anybody. Um, five is too many, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so we'll, uh, I'll try playing again at four players and see if there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I might decide that you're only supposed to use a fate token for five and six player games. Right. But I think I might implement it in a four player game because it would be very, very easy to beat up on somebody um, without that fate token, um, especially if it's just always staying on one person. Right. Um, so it's interesting they didn't include the fate token in lower counts in five or six, but with two players, you don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, I got my butt handed to me. Prince John is a very tough character, even though his objective is very simple. Gain 20 power. Right. That's it. But it's not very easy to get to. Um, That being said, we also played Sagrada, but people know about Sagrada already. They love the game, though. Right after they were done, they said they really enjoyed it. They thought it was easy to understand. Um, and they thought it looked beautiful, so mostly success. <laughs> gotcha, mostly success. So, do you think that if you played it, would you play it again with your family? If you pick, like, instead of letting them pick characters, that you assigned specific characters? <clears throat> I would. I mean, I would play it again with them, anyways, mm-hmm. um, because they have the experience. But I don't know if I'd ever play. Maybe I should. Just, I don't know if I'd play a five or six player game with the majority of the people, not having played it before. Okay, that makes once, sense. You know, once once because uh, it can be a lot, especially when everyone's asking questions about their character. 
and everyone's hearing about those questions, it can just be a lot to take in for people who don't normally play board games in my right. in this specific case. Gotcha. 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 All right. Well, hey, that sounds like some fun game playing, though. And the only game that I played is I played more Villainous again. Nice. Uh, continuing to play that. But I do want to talk about something else that I did that is board game related is that, as you know, people learned last week, specifically where in Iowa I lived, I do live in Iowa. And Iowa's not far from Minnesota. And in Minnesota, there's this little company called Fantasy Flight. And they have the Fantasy Flight Game Center mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And I have never actually been there. In all the times I've gone to see my parents, in all the times I lived in Minnesota for a while when it was open, I've never been there. So I said, you know what? I have some time. I am going to swing by and go check out the Fantasy Flight Game Center. And let me tell you, this place is really, really impressive. (laughs) So you show up and it's connected, I think, to actually like the Fantasy Flight headquarters. So you can obviously that's separate. But it's I think the building is connected. Uh, but you walk up. There's this huge awning. It says Fantasy Flight Game Center. It looks super fancy. You park. You go inside. And there is a huge area for open gaming. Just massive. I'm talking like probably 150 people can fit in there and play games massive. Uh-huh. And that's just like they're, hey, here's our open tables. And granted, they have tournaments and all this stuff. So they pretty much every day have something, some scheduled event going on along with open gaming. So when you go, you know, you're going to the game center. You can go specifically to play in a tournament. When I was there, uh, there was a Netrunner tournament going on. And there was also some organized play around, oh, shoot, what was it? Big Fantasy Twilight Imperium. So there was Twilight Imperium going on along with Netrunner. But in addition to that, like I said, they have open gaming. You can bring your own games if you want to. You can buy games because they obviously have a store in there. But they also have a games library that you can just borrow games from and sit down at a table and play games with your friends. In addition, they have a cafe in there. And this isn't like a little like run of the mill, oh, get a like little snack bar cafe. Oh, no, this is like a really pretty darn good, like quality food, wine, beer, like uh, coffees, like cappuccinos, like all of the whole shooting, like kit and caboodle all put together in a actually really nice quality food it seems that's a step up from what you're going to get well at least any of the other stores i've ever played in for sure maybe if not two or three steps up but so you can go they actually do um you know some events that are focused around um you know the food and things like that because you could they'll have magic draft and a draft so you have a draft (laughs) here while you're drafting some magic cards like they do a lot of really cool things there so i really think the place is really cool i wish i would have gone when i lived in minnesota more i think it's one of those things that if every community could have a place like this it'd be awesome but i'm really bummed that i didn't participate or take as as much advantage of it as i could have when i lived in minnesota um, but it's really awesome, and it's a, it's a great thing for them to have there. And I think it is pretty cool because, you know, we hear, for better or worse, sometimes you hear things about Asmodee, you know, being a little rigid as far as how they do things. But, I mean, people were playing fantasy flight games. They were playing non-fantasy flight games. People were just hanging out, having a good time. And I think it was a really welcoming and open place. Like, I felt comfortable the entire time I was there, even though I was just kind of wandering around. Like, I didn't go with a purpose. I didn't buy anything. Like, I didn't go other than just to check this place out. And it was really cool. Like, I definitely will make a point of of stopping by there more often when I'm in the area and just to see what's going on. 
or maybe if I'm going to be going home to visit my parents, I'll maybe figure out what's happening there to participate in a tournament or something that's going on. I really enjoyed the place. It, it's a cool place to hang out. It feels very welcoming. And I, I think it's one of those things that shows that, you know, for maybe bigger communities, because obviously this is in Roseville, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities. So it's, it's in a big place. I mean, it's, you know, not even 10 minutes from downtown Minneapolis, probably. But so it's in a big, I mean, it's in a big area, but I think that it shows that you can have places like this in these sorts of cities and have them be successful. You know, yes, you know, Fantasy Flight is centered in the Twin Cities, but I don't think that means that suddenly as a result of that, the Twin Cities has way more board game players than, you know, another place that doesn't have, you know, a game headquarters there. Granted, are there a few more employees that work in games in Minneapolis than maybe in a city that doesn't have it? Yeah, but we're talking like a handful of people, not like right. thousands of people, you know? So I, I thought it was really cool. I will definitely be stopping back. Um, and I just thought, you know, hey, maybe I didn't really take any pictures or anything, which maybe I should have done, which I will probably do in the future so that I can post them on our Instagram or something like that. Yeah. I didn't really think about it. I was just like kind of <laughs> tooling around. I'm like, this is great. So I will maybe I will make a point of going back so I can take some more pictures and things like that. But uh, it's a really cool place. I'm glad I have the opportunity to to go and check it out. And it's this hours are really late. It's open like nine to midnight, like every day uh-huh. almost. Yeah, like it's open really late. So really cool place. Like I said, hopefully I'll do a better job of going back and documenting some more and and having some chats with people who are of some things that are going on. I know the day after that I was there, they were doing a D&D Adventures League charity event. So like they do a lot of really different and cool, unique things there. So um, if you have a local game store or some sort of board game cafe or something like that, if you've never been there, I recommend checking it out. If you're looking for people to play with or you just want to try to get to be a part of the community, uh, it's a really cool thing to do. So I definitely recommend it. So, hey, that's a little bit about board game stuff. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir? Oh, sorry. I hope you guys caught that yawn in the silence. Oh, boy. Uh, what have I been playing for video games? What a, what a wonderful question. I... I've been playing Dead Cells, and that's pretty much all I have been playing. <laughs> that game is um, addicting. It is very much addicting. Yeah, I sit down, I say, I'm just going to play once, and then I play once and I die. And I go, ah. All right, well, I'm going to play one more time, and then I'll keep playing until I die. And then I think last time we talked, I wasn't having uh, long runs. So you're like 15-minute runs was like a long run for me. Mm-hmm. Um uh, now I'm like when you said you had like an hour and a half run, I felt terrible. So like now I feel a little bit better. I'm getting up there and run times. Um, it's really fun. I don't I don't mind the repetitiveness because it's not truly repetitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the more I do it, the more things I'm unlocking and and learning how to uh, you know what what's better for my play style and what do I still need to master like like. Um, rolling still need to master that um, not getting like which enemies i can get close to which ones are just going to hit me no matter where i am on the map as long as they can see me all these kinds of things right 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 um yeah i'm really enjoying my time with it uh i got what like yeah i mean i think i've picked up a game or two in between last week and now but i haven't even touched them just because that cells is like what i want to play um, when I want to play something, I did finally watch Baby Driver. That took up um, some game play time. So, but I think it's well worth the game time you gave up to watch Baby Driver. 
man, it was incredible. It blew me away. So yes. Um, but yeah, and so, so I'm a little boring today. How about you, Kyle? So still playing Overcooked 2, still slowly working the way through that. Also still playing Dead Cells, so those are still both on the regular rotation of getting played a little bit here and there. But I did start two new games because I was like, hey, I got to have something new to talk about. Number one, started Octopath Traveler on ye old Switch. And yeah, it's good. I'm not super far into it. I think that they're... The thing I like about the game is that it does not really hold your hand. And when I say it doesn't hold your hand, I don't mean that it doesn't tell you how to do things because it kind of gives the, like, the tutorials and kind of teaching you how to do stuff isn't bad. But the game is the first boss fight happens not very far into the game. And it's not a, and it is not a cakewalk. Like you have to kind of know what you are doing or at least think about, hey, if I just try to brute force this, this isn't going to work because it won't. At least it didn't for the boss that I picked. I started with Ophelia as the character I chose to start with. That first boss fight, I thought, oh, this will probably be fine. So I didn't take it very seriously, and I got worked real bad the first time. <laughs> and I said, oh, apparently I have to take this a little more seriously and think about this a little bit more. So it definitely is more challenging than I thought it was going to be, but it, that's a good thing. Like It, it definitely made me think, and I, I didn't find it at least um, so challenging that I got disinterested right away, but it definitely helped get me more engaged into the game right away. As everyone has said, the art is good. I don't think I like the art as much as everyone else does. It is beautiful, but it also isn't like this, for me at least, this mind-blowing, like, oh, gosh, I love this. You know, and I'm someone who like, tends to like um, games that really lean into their art direction. That is of a, a very particular way. Like, I love Okami. Like, I love that kind of stuff. And this is good, and it's very pretty. I, I just don't think it's as mind-blowing to me as it is to other people, and that's fine. It's just... Not quite as up there for me. Uh, but the music in this game is incredible. The music so far, even though, like I said, I'm not super far into it, uh, the music is very good. And I, it definitely is something that I I don't play with my Switch very often with the sound on, um, which is also a bummer because the voice acting so far in this has been pretty good uh, because I usually play my Switch in bed, you know, like right before I go to bed. Yeah. So it's usually not something where I'm, I'm playing it with my sound on, but this game, I, I want to do that. So, yeah, enjoying Octopath Traveler. I feel like this will be a game that I am playing kind of for probably the next few months of just 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, um, and slowly plugging my way through it. The other game I started is apparently there was a sale. Yeah. <laughs> and you were nice enough to buy Star Wars Battlefront 2 on Xbox. And I have been thinking about playing that game for some time now, and I kept seeing it on sale, and I was like, well, maybe someday I'll play it. And then one day you messaged me, and you're like, hey, we own this game now. So I downloaded it, and I started it. Have you played the campaign? I did when it, when it was on EA Access. Okay. With some, but they actually limited the campaign you could play. Right. Uh, and I'm not super far into it, so I don't think I probably have gotten much further than you probably did in yeah. your EA Access demo. And if you've never played the game or never played the campaign, there's going to be slight, slight spoilers for the beginning of the campaign. I apologize. I, <laughs> I just, I really want to talk about this. I feel like this was not the best way to start the game. I agree. So that it was really weird where all of a sudden you're like, I'm destroyed and I am going to try to use stealth to get myself around this ship. To Like, I just felt it was a very odd choice and really didn't get me excited yeah, to it was play the game it was you know crappy. it was crappy yeah <laughs> was i mean that's one way to, you can put it that way that's fine i just <laughs> i thought it was very odd because i was like what are you trying to do here like what yeah because if like i can shock people which is great 
But if more than one pe- person sees me, I'm toast like right away, yeah. you know, and I, I feel like I kind of cheesed it pretty bad on the because you come out and you're like in a hangar and there's a whole bunch of people. I just like went way down, like over the edge and just like went all the way across. <laughs> so like no one like so I wasn't even up by any of them. And then I had this like one person I had to go around at the very end. But yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was a really odd choice of how to start that game. And suddenly I immediately was like, huh. Is this what this whole thing is going to be like, or how 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 is this going to go? And then you get into actually being able to run around and shoot some people and all that good stuff, and it's it's fun. Like I think the thing, I, the controls just feel slightly off to me, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if they feel almost too smooth, which probably sounds like a ridiculous criticism to make, but I, I feel like I have a much harder time tracking enemies in this game. Than I do in almost any other first person. Well, I play it in third person. Any other shooter, basically, that I've played. Something I don't know if it's just I don't know what it is. I'm I enjoying. Think, I don't think they changed the. I don't think they changed it from the multiplayer aspect of it. I think that's what the problem is. Okay. Like single player game. Any like single player shooter, it feels much more uh, um, sturdy. Uh, if is I don't know if that's the word. I don't, it feels like you're actually so like comparing. When you play Battlefront Two multiplayer, you're 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 going to be moving a lot faster because of how many how much is going on. And when you're playing that single player, it should be much more focused and slower. If I if I'm catching what you mean, like I feel like it's constantly moving fast back and forth. Right. Yeah. So. That may that might be it. And I think too, like just in the environments and everything, I've had kind of a hard time picking out enemies and things like that on occasion as I've been playing mm-hmm. through it. And, you know, obviously you have abilities, like there's a radar you can use and all this stuff, but it's not up all the time. And But I've definitely felt like I've had some, I don't want to say cheap deaths, but like I have died and I'm like, I have no idea. I feel like sometimes when I play like Call of Duty on like a really hard difficulty, where you're getting shot and you're like, I have no idea where this is coming yeah. from. No <laughs> clue where this is happening. And I felt like that's happened a little bit. And that's always frustrating. The game is looks pretty good i honestly thought it would look this is going to sound so bad i thought it was gonna look better than it does i think the environments are really pretty i think most of the character models are really good but in some of the situations i think like the ships and stuff don't look as nice as they maybe could but sometimes they do not always just there's a few times where i was like oh that star destroyer or super star destroyer doesn't look probably as good as it could and then it blows up that stuff anyway. So I'm going to keep playing it. And I actually am kind of interested in jumping into the multiplayer. I have no idea how many people are still playing the multiplayer. Well, it was $8 last week. So I bet a lot more people are playing it now. <laughs> yeah. So I do want to finish up the campaign, though, first. And I know it's not that long. Um, and I would guess I'm probably a third of the way through. So I haven't played that much. I probably only played a couple hours. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's not... There have been some interesting decisions made so far in the campaign, and I guess I understand now why it was as divisive as it was. Because I know there are some people who really like it, there are some people who really don't. Uh, It is keeping me engaged enough that I will keep playing. So (laughs) so that's good. You can always play some co-op, too. They do have some good co-op modes in that game. I am definitely down for that. Because, you know, and the sounds in the game, though, oh my gosh, the game sounds amazing. It sounds so good. Uh, and I know they did that really, really well with the first Battlefront, and they have definitely continued that with the second Battlefront. So that is a little bit about what we have been playing on our televisions. And we're just going to roll into the topic of the show, just like we are rolling into fall, which means the video game release schedule is going to pick up significantly. 
Though the doldrums we've had in the past of what seemed like months without video games has pretty much gone away, there's no doubt that fall is definitely the biggest time for games. And to celebrate this, I worked and created a game for Josh and I to play. This game might be awesome. It might be really dumb. But hopefully, no matter what, it is entertaining. So what I did is I went through and picked a list of 10 of the bigger titles coming out this fall. Now, obviously, this list of 10 isn't exhaustive. There's a ton of other games that are coming out. But I tried to mix it up by variety of game, systems that they're coming up on, and all that good stuff. I didn't want to wait things too hard one direction. But I wanted to make sure I was covering the biggest games coming out this fall. So if there's something you were really interested in, like, I'm sorry, Dragon Quest Eleven is not on the list. I know it's a really big deal to some people. It's just not on the list, though. So I went through, made the list. And what we are going to try to do is we are going to try to guess the Metacritic score for each of these games once the game has fully come out. Now, how this will work is that after all 10 games are released, I'm going to go through and tabulate the scores. If a game, if I guess a game is an 80 and the Metacritic score is an 83, I would receive three points. If I guess a 75 and it gets an 80, I would get five points. And the goal is to have the lowest total number of points. So the most important thing in this game is accuracy, not, you know, lowest, closest without going over or anything like that. It's how close do you get overall to the scores? If something is released multi-platform, I'm going to use the score from the PS4 version. Why? Because I'm biased. So that's what I'm going to do. And I was going to at first add them and then divide. And then I realized there might be half points. And I didn't want to deal with that. <laughs> so I'm just going to use the score from the PS4 version. And yeah, version. actually, interestingly enough, for most of these, the PS4 version actually had a higher score than the Xbox one. Not all of them for the previous iterations of the games. Not all of them, but for most of them. Um, but this is a contest that you can participate in. So I am going to create a tweet that will get pinned on our um, on our Twitter account. I'm also going to create a post on the PS on PSVG.blog. So there'll be information about this. We'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks. But all you need to do is email us boardwithvg at gmail.com with your list for the for, with these 10 games and what your prediction for the Metacritic score is going to be. Okay. You don't have to beat us, though I'm sure most of you probably will, just like happened with the Dice Tower contest where like I think we I think everyone who emailed it beat us and got more right than we did. But you like I said, I will go through after everything is released. I will then tally the scores. Whoever has the lowest score will win. And the prize you will win is your choice of any 10 of these games on the platform of your choice, but it's only gonna be the standard version. Sorry. But not so, any 10 of them. Any one of the 10. Not oh yes, not any 10 of them. Any one of these 10. So mm-hmm. you will get to pick one of these 10 games as your prize once this is all over. So I think that's a pretty good deal. It probably will take five to 10 minutes of your time to write down these games as we go through them, pick a score and send it into us. Like I said, it's whoever from the listeners has the best score. If by chance we have a higher, a better score, i.e. a lower score, you'll still win. You just have to be the listener with the lowest score. And then you'll get to pick which of these 10 games you want to own. And I will hook you up with either a physical copy or a digital copy. Depending on the game, what works best, we'll talk about it. It'll figure out the best way for me to get that to you. So I will recap all the games at the end. Feel free to write them down now. And like I said, we'll talk about this the next few weeks before the contest is over. The contest deadline. 
you must have your predictions submitted by the date the first game comes out, which will be September 7th. Now, you'll say, Kyle, the reviews for that game are probably going to be before that. You're right. They probably are, but I was not able to find the embargo date because I was going to have them do before the embargo. But since we're at, as of recording, I don't know that date. I'm just picking September 7th. So you might get the first one. You probably will get the first one spot on. So if you want to wait till closer to that date, I understand to submit. But yeah, I couldn't figure out what the embargo date was. And I didn't want to guess and then be wrong. So first, your due date must be here by September 7th. So with that, Josh, any questions before we begin the Metafall tournament? Are you writing down the stuff now or... What's your plan? Okay, good. I am writing it all down as we go. Listen through the podcast again later. No, absolutely. <laughs> I have it all ready to go. I have this fancy little old UPS envelope I'm using to write all things down on because you know I'm really good at keeping track and having paper and things like that. Apparently, so all right. So to begin, the first game on our list coming out September seventh. Marvel's Spider-Man, releasing exclusively on PS4. And I will say, on this list, there are three exclusive games, one for each platform. The other seven games are multi-platform, but I think there's only one Switch game total. <laughs> so, Just when like I look at console. <laughs> I know, when I look at this, yeah, I think there's only one Switch game. But hey, it's a pretty big Switch game, so we'll see how that goes. So, like I said, September 7th, Marvel's Spider-Man. Josh, what do you think the Metacritic score is going to be for Spider-Man? It's funny. I'm like, when, when I saw this earlier, I'm just thinking, what what would like all these other outlets be giving these games? And, I, and that I shouldn't be thinking of that because it's basically irrelevant. Uh, because everything that we are going to talk about, I'm going to think is going to score way higher than it probably is. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm going to say a 98. Whoa, you think the Metacritic is going to be a 98? No. See, that's what I get confused myself with. No, I think the Metacritic is going to be an 85. An 85. Okay. <laughs> Josh is picking an 85 for Spider-Man. Why an 85? Because I think we're still going to have the people that don't get it. The it's another superhero game kind of thing, so mm -hmm. it's obviously going to drag the score down. But I think the hype is so high that um, I think it's so. I looked at the uh, other Insomnia game scores. Yep, and they're bonkers, crazy high for every game on there. And there's no negative reviews for any Insomnia game. So I'm also taking into consideration um uh, favoritism towards the brand <laughs> yeah their lowest metacritic game is fuse at a 62 yeah fuse yeah 62 <laughs> yep so yeah that's everything i have none of them they're just bold guesses is all. <laughs> no that's okay that is pretty much all mine are as well so when i thought about this actually i will say 85 is what i was going to say as well but I do not want us to tie on this one. So I'm going to change my score. And when I look at the past games from Insomniac, you know, Sunset Overdrive was an 81. And a lot of folks are saying this is kind of like the spiritual successor in some ways to Sunset Overdrive. This is as close as you're going to get to a Sunset Overdrive 2, if you would. One of my favorite games, uh, you know, on PS4 is the remake of Ratchet and Clank, which I know you think is stupid, but I really like it. 
<laughs> Didn't say he was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big fan of Ratchet and Clank, and Ratchet and Clank got an 85. So I'm going to say, you know what? It's going to take the the everything they learned from Sunset Overdrive, all the good parts of Ratchet and Clank, throw in some, you know, we're coming back to PlayStation, and, you know, Resistance tended to score pretty well as did the other Ratchet and Clank games. So I'm going to go with an 87. I think Spider-Man is going to have a Metacritic score of an 87 when it's all said and Done. All right. So Marvel Spider-Man, September 7th. Josh says an 85. I say an 87. We are now moving on to entry number two, which is NBA 2K19, also releasing September 7th. So I guess actually you could have the scores for two of these games if you submit it by the due date. I didn't realize this was the same date at first. So the big reason I picked this is I'm not much of a sports person, sports game person, and I think maybe you are, but not so much NBA, right? Yeah, you know it's been a, it's been a bit since I've gotten into an NBA game. Okay, so NBA 2K19 coming out September 7th. I'm really torn about how this game is going to do because last year's game got a lot of flack for the microtransaction. This is the only thing I ever heard about it, and I know that it scored a little bit lower than previous installations of the series have. So I know back in like 2016 and 2017, or for the 2K16 and 2K17 versions of the game, there were people who were lobbying for those to be like game of the year that they thought they were so good. I don't think that lobbying necessarily happened last year, but I'm going to say that 2K is a smart company. I think Visual Concepts is actually the developer of the of NBA 2K. I think they're going to listen to the feedback they got from last year, and I think they're going to take care of a lot of the things from a microtransaction standpoint, that maybe caused those scores to go lower. So I think they're going to have a rebound here. I think their score is going to go. I know that was good, wasn't it? In a corporating basketball term, go me. I think they're going to rebound a little bit this year. And I think that NBA 2K19's Metacritic score is going to be not quite the heights of it, the 2K16 and 2K17, but I think they're going to settle at an 84. Wow. Josh, what do you think? I think the opposite. I think we're looking at a 75. I think that they're not going to learn from their mistakes or it's going to be too late. And I think that you're going to see that um, very strong NBA fandom be very negative. Wow. So this is going to be the one that really on September 7th, we might be parting seas. <laughs> Parting ways pretty significantly. Also, I want to give people who listen and maybe take our <clears throat> guesses into theirs and make them really think hard on this one. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So NBA 2K19, September 7th. Josh is giving it a 75. I think the Metacritic's going to be an 84. Only time will tell. All right. So the next game on the list, coming out September 14th, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Now, I'm a big fan of the first two Tomb Raiders in the reboot, but this is no longer Crystal Dynamics developing it. We got Ideos Montreal, who's behind the helm this time, if you would. Those first two games, pretty well critically received. How do you think Eidos Montreal is going to do with Shadow of the Tomb Raider? And where do you think the Metacritic score is going to be, Josh? So <clears throat> I, I don't know that it matters too much because I, I don't think they're... I mean, they have the engine. It's not being rebuilt for this game. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to be... At least what it sounds like, prettier. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, based on the previous scores and how it's been going, I'm just, I'm really just going to take it down a notch to an 85. 
85. I think we just see a teeny tiny little decline. Um, I don't think anything, there's nothing I've seen uh, that make it like stand out as different from the other two games. It just seems like the, the smart conclusion to the to the trilogy. So, Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those first two games, and I really want this game to be good. I think the thing that's playing against it is that, you know, Spider-Man's right before it, and then for me, Assassin's Creed is right after it. So it's really going to be tough for me to decide to pick this up day one. But, you know, knowing my acquisition disorder, it probably will happen anyway. <laughs> but for me, I think that the change in studios is going to have a little bit of an effect on this game. I think Eidos Montreal, you know, really mostly known for, you know, their work with Deus Ex and trying to figure out what that means for them how does switching to Tomb Raider, does that mean something different? Because Tomb Raider and Deus Ex, like, to me, are not really the same type of game. But could Tomb Raider be improved by some of the concepts and things that they did in the Deus Ex series? You know, I hope it's better than that uh, than the Thief game that they made. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That game was a little rough. But Deus Ex has tended to review pretty well, even if maybe it didn't sell really well, it's tended to review pretty decently. But I think that it's going to be kind of a situation where they don't quite hit a home run on this finale and, the, and it doesn't quite live up to the first couple games. So I say they're going to do an 83. Not a significant drop, but a situation where they're not in doing quite as well as the first two games did. So that's Shadow of the Tomb Raider, September 14th. Josh gives it an 85. I give it an 83. We are now moving on to the next game on the list, coming out October 2nd, Forza Horizon 4. So now the first most important question, Josh. Yes. Is it Forza or Forza? It's Forza. It is. Are you certain? I'm just going by how they say it in the game. I feel like it should be Forza. Sure, but the lady who announces the Forza Horizon Festival says Forza. I think she's wrong. Does she say Pisa too then? Pisa's not mentioned in the game. So I'm just saying, that's just what I wonder. <laughs> There's not two Z's in Forza. <laughs> but it's a consonant followed by a, a Z-A. That's just how I think of it. Uh, okay, well... I have no idea. I just That's what I always go to is pizza. This is not a grammar podcast. That's true. Okay, so Forza Horizon 4, the next game in the very beloved Forza series and the very beloved Horizon part of that series, developed by Playground Games, who is now a first-party studio over at Yield Microsoft. You know, I'm not much of a racing game guy, so this is definitely a bit of a blind spot for me. The only thing I know about these games is that they score really well. Uh-huh, because they're good, and you should right. play them. I have no doubt that they're good. I don't know that I will play them, but I have no doubt that they're good. <laughs> I feel like it seems like they've just gotten better, right? Because I think Forza Horizon 3 was the highest rated of them, I think. 91. Okay, 91. You know what? Let's continue that choo-choo train going up. I'm going to say that this one gets a 93. Ooh, okay. That's right. Pushing the limits of God of War, because I think God of War is at like a 94. Uh, Pushing those limits, I'm going to say, I'm going to bet big. Come on, Playground Games. Don't let me down. We're going to say Forza is going to get a 93. Josh, what do you say? Okay, well, I was going to say 92, but... You can. That's I'm fine. Gonna say, I'm going to say it's better than God of War. I'm going to say it's a 95. Wow. Okay, 95. Might as well what take makes... some risks. <laughs> I mean, they are taking some risks. I feel like 
is possible, right? Because they're going open world, getting rid of the Drivatars, and it's actually all going to be all the real people in the games. Like, they're taking risks that if people really dig them, like, that definitely could happen, right? So everything you've seen about this game so far has looked bigger and better than Forza Horizon 3. Um, and every DLC from Forza Horizon 3 made that game better, mm-hmm. which is very rare, I think. Uh, Forza Horizon 3 was open world, so it, it's really just taking what was amazing about that and putting you... Not only are we going to get this whole new landscape, but we're going to get a Halo race on Halo with yeah. Cortana navigating. There's going to be so much great content for this game, um, but just from what they've been showing and that incredible group racing that they have... Mm-hmm. I think this is going to blow every racing game before and out of the water. Awesome. All right. So for Forza Horizon 4, Josh is saying in 95, I am saying in 93. We're moving on next to one of the games I'm most excited about this fall, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, coming out October 5th. Josh, what say you? How is Assassin's Creed Odyssey going to do on the yield Metacritic? Well, I think there's a little... Well, I don't know what it is. It, it appears that there's a little bit of a bias on Assassin's Creed reviews in general. Why? Because Origins only got an 81, and I think that's like 10 points lower than it should have been. Yeah, I really so, enjoyed Odyssey as well, or Origins as well. So I, I, I feel like I would score Odyssey in like the 90s, but I bet it's going to score like an 83. That's what you're, you're banking on is an 83? Yeah. All right. So... Assassin's Creed Odyssey is one of the games I am most excited about this fall. I know a lot of people are all on all in on Red Dead Redemption. I think I am I, I'm interested in Red Dead Redemption too, but I'm not as I'm actually more excited for Assassin's Creed Odyssey than I am Red Dead Redemption too. I know most people think that's silly, but that's what I feel. <laughs> um, I do think that you know a lot of people are talking about how this is like Assassin's Creed Odyssey doing The Witcher, and people really like The Witcher. So if and game reviewers really like The Witcher. So if this does fulfill that to the extent, I think this is an opportunity for Assassin's Creed to go back to the days of old for Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, all of those games that scored really high, like upper 80s, low 90s in Metacritic. And I think this might be an opportunity for them to return. So I'm going to say Assassin's Creed Odyssey is going to Rise above AC Origins, and I think it's going to get an 86. Okay. And I, I hope it's going to get an 86 for the sake of this contest. So <laughs> I don't know what you or I win, but hey, that's fine. Bragging rights. Bragging rights, that's right. All right, so the next game on the list is one I'm really interested to see how it does. <laughs> Coming out October 12th, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. I used to be a big Call of Duty fan. I am less of a big Call of Duty fan now. And I'm going to be honest. I have no idea how this game is going to do, right? They got rid of the single-player campaign. So now I'm trying to judge a game, the Metacritic score of a game that only has multiplayer modes. Granted, so does Overwatch, and Overwatch scored really high. But I don't know how this is going to do, right? Like, I have... Do you have... And I, I know it's my turn to guess first, and I'm going to guess first. Do you feel confident in your guess for this? Well, here's what I think is interesting. When you're Black Ops 3 was revered for its story, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) Not as multiplayer is what you're saying. So, yeah, I'm really interested, and I keep going back to just hearing a streamer talk about how bored they were playing Black Ops 4. And 
I know it's just a streamer and it's a person who's really good at and they're they play they're a professional gamer in a, a different game than Call of Duty, but man. All right. I think that their experiment is not going to work out as well as they wanted it to. And I think it is going to get an 80. I think Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is going to score an 80 on Metacritic. What about you, sir? I think Call of Duty Black Ops 4 will be Treyarch's lowest rated Metacritic game. I think it's going to come in around a 75. Ooh, wow. 75. Man, I have no game below an 80, and you have two games at a 75. Gotta take some risks, Kyle. You, I know. I gotta step things up here, I guess, apparently. Wow. <laughs> I, I am trying, I am playing the middle road pretty significantly here. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying what I feel, but man, okay. Well, the next game coming out, another titan of the shooter genre. Battlefield 5 hit stores October 19th. This is a game that there is actually a very active conversation in the Discord today. Uh-huh. about whether Battlefield 5 was already dead. I don't know if that's true, but I am very interested to see how this game does because it still has a campaign. Yes. You know, and it seems to be doing most of the other things. I mean, they don't have the zombies mode, obviously, but they have multiplayer. They teased what appears to be their Battle Royale mode in that latest trailer. So they're doing a lot of the similar things, but they, they're sticking with that story. And they even kind of talked about how they want to tell a compelling narrative you know, in the Gamescom stuff that has been out there already. What score do you think Battlefield 5 is going to get? Is there going to be any hangover from the Battlefront debacle of last year with EA? Well, so that was part of the conversation in the Discord. Um, the other part was um, they were saying that they they were, they were so far off of their pre-order goal, which I think who cares about pre-orders? I guess it's important, but I don't really think that it dictates the success of a game necessarily well i think it's important to note that the last time pre-orders being talked about were that i remember pre-orders being talked about significantly was a specific playstation insider talking about how soft the god of war pre-orders were yes yeah so i mean i don't know why why that would one be used as an argument and why people would be calling's doa now unless they're hardcore call of duty fans and are worried about Battlefield 5 because I really think that this game has shown nothing but promise. And yeah, some people were saying, well, people are still mad at EA. Sure, but they're not mad at Battlefield 1. Battlefield 1 was a huge success for them and their fan base and it brought in so many new fans with their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're looking at a 90 for Battlefield 5. Oh, no, that's the exact score I was going to give it. It's okay. We can have the same score. All right. You know what? We can also not... order the same meal at dinner. It's not the end of we the can. world. <laughs> we can. But you know what? I don't want us to, to be tied on any of them. I'm standing in principle because if you were picking it, it can't be right, Josh. It can't be. That's a good argument, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go that is going to replicate the success of Battlefield 1, and it is going to score an 89. Oh, that is where I'm going with Battlefield away. 5. <laughs> one point <laughs> away. Hey, when accuracies matters, one point is a big deal. Because if you're right, I lose a point. That's true. So that will matter a lot. Um, If you had to order, are you planning to get Call of Duty or Battlefield? Are you planning to get either one of them? We will be having Battlefield 5. Oh, are we going to have it on Xbox? Of course. Okay. What? You say, of course, like... Xbox One X enhanced. So? I'm, I'm, I'm built for X. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not enhanced, and you're still friends with me. I thought you got an X. 
I do. I've said that I'm not an ex and you're still friends with me. Uh, yeah, I do have an ex. Yeah. I'm not friends with any of my exes. <laughs> I actually, I actually am, but anyway. <laughs> All right, so that's a different podcast conversation, I think. Anyway, as we go, three more games left on this top ten. Probably the one of, if not the most anticipated game of the fall, unless you're a Nintendo fan, is Red Dead Redemption 2 hitting shelves October 26th, the long-awaited follow-up from Rockstar Games. And, you know, if there's a game company that uh, delivers hits, seems to be Rockstar. Okay. So... Yeah, you know, like Grand Theft Auto 4 was a 98 back in the day. Grand Theft Auto 5 was like a 97. Like, they've done some, they got some heavy hitters out there. So, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I'm an oddity as that I wasn't a huge fan of the first Red Dead Redemption. Mostly because I kept accidentally killing my own horse, and then I'd be stuck in the middle of nowhere without a horse. <laughs> Those wolves, they get underneath you and you shoot at it. It's just bad news. Anyway, though, but I think that the... I think game reviewers love Rockstar, and they make good games. I'm not saying they don't, but I think game reviewers love Rockstar. I think that Rockstar has all the hype. And, you know, that first trailer made me more interested, the first gameplay trailer made me more interested in the game than I have been in a lot of other games. Like, it made me interested, which I hadn't been prior to that trailer as much. So they're doing good things with their trailers at this point. It seems like they're really trying to take some interesting paths with all the different ways the narratives are going to play out and how you can interact with the NPCs in the world. It looks looks like they're trying to do some really unique things. And I think that reviewers are going to praise them for that. So I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to get a 96. Okay. What, what do you say, sir? So I'm very excited about this game. Looking at the Rockstar scores from the past, it's just insane. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and I don't necess- and I don't agree with half of them, but that's not you know that's just a my preference kind of thing. Um, but to mess with your system, I'm gonna say 96. Oh, you, you would, <laughs> you totally would. All right, well, hey, all right. So the next game on the list as we close almost to the end. One of the few games coming out after Red Dead Redemption 2, because it seems like once Red Dead disturbed their date, everyone tried to go ahead of them. Other than a few plucky games that said, we don't care. One of those being Fallout 76, being released November 14th. Bethesda Game Studios with their next iteration in the very popular Fallout franchise, but taking a very different route to get there. How do you think Fallout 76 is going to score with critics, sir? Well, I think this is our wild card, right? There's virtually no real gameplay of this yet. I mean, you see, you've seen some footage, but that's I think that's all closed testing within actually Bethesda. Right. Um, so we don't really know what we're going to get when it goes full open world and mm-hmm. what people are going to be doing and what your experience is like. This, to me, screams a game that gets better seven months after it's out. Right. Ratings wise, which is not going to affect Metacritic while we're doing this. So I'm thinking we're looking at like an 81. And I think that's being generous. I think it might even be lower than that. 81 for Fallout 76. What score do you think Kevin Austin's going to give it? 102,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, surprisingly, we are, si- we are on a similar thought process here about how Fallout is going to go. I think that this game is an interesting experiment. But I think that maybe, and I could be wrong because I'm not a Fallout player, maybe this isn't what Fallout players want. 
I think so too. I think you're, you might be right. It's what I want and I hate, and I'm not, I don't hate that. I'm not good at those, at the follow games. So I'm going to take my first big risk, I think, of this entire thing. Ooh. I think Fallout 76 is going to get a 79. Okay. And I feel like that's a big risk because, I don't know, I just feel like they, similar to, I think similar to Red Dead Redemption, who's taking what seems to be some risks and changes about how they're doing their open world and, and the immersion and creating a game space that's unique to you. I think Fallout 76 is trying to do the same thing. So theoretically, they could do be really rewarded for that. I just feel like they're going to go a little bit backwards and it's not going to be the mid 80s to upper 80 things that we see with like Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. I think, I mean, because this would be, what, a 10-point drop from Fallout 4 or so, you know? So I think 79 is kind of a big next step. So there we go. And the final game that is in our top 10 or the top 10 games or the list of 10 games I created (laughs) for fall is that small, little, not well-known Nintendo Switch game, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, coming out. Way late in the year, December 11th, no, December 7th, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Josh, how much of a Smash player are you? I, okay, I really do enjoy Smash Brothers. Um, I played it a lot more when with Brawl when it had the um, single player mode. Mm-hmm. So I did enjoy that. That was Brawl, right? I Sure, I have no idea. I've played Smash yeah. Brothers for three hours total in my entire life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's one of those games that um, if you play with people who are really good, it's not fun. Um, so Jason Lacey? <laughs> well, yeah. So I played with Jason the last Smash Brothers. It's fun when you beat him because you know that you didn't deserve to do it and he probably escaped <laughs> himself. But that's usually the only time it's fun to do something like that. Um, but for the most part, like you can go play Brawl out right now on the Switch and get the same feel as Smash Brothers. So while like the characters, I think are unique, I don't think that it's such a unique game anymore mm-hmm. as compared to when it, you know, to the earlier versions of it. Which right. I'm very surprised at how low they scored based on the fanfare compared to. I mean, they scored high, but like compared to what if you talk to someone who's a Smash Brothers fan, they'll tell you. It's the best game in the world. Right. Like it's so overhyped and it's such a fanboy game that it's hard to like take into consideration what a critic might give it. Right. I think that, like I said, I haven't played a ton of Smash. I feel like though that this really seems to be a, for lack of a better word, love letter to Smash fans. This really seems to be the game that is kind of putting everything like it's Smash Brothers Ultimate. They're definitely trying to make it ultimate. And I think as a result of that, critics are going to say yes this is the ultimate package this is the best most definitive way to play smash brothers as a result i think they are going to give super smash brothers ultimate the metacritic average is going to be a 95 okay interesting what do i do here so i think it's going to review higher than all the other ones and this will be higher than all the other ones right i think that they're not changing they're probably not going to change too much of the game mechanic Mm -hmm. um you're getting every character except for Wario so far. I think, what did you say? 95. Okay, so let's do this. And this one is a love letter and apology to all my Nintendo shackers for hating on all their games. 99. Are you serious? Yep. <laughs> all right, 99 it is. So it gives us a four-point swing between us. And if that's it's, true. If it's only two points lower or higher, I'm still good. 
That's true. All right. So as a very brief recap, Spider-Man, Josh gave an 85. I say at 87. NBA 2K19, Josh said 75. I said 84. Tomb Raider, I said, Josh said 85. I said 83. Forza Horizon 4, Josh is giving a 95 and I'm giving a 93. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, Josh is giving an 83. I'm giving an 86. Call of Duty, Josh is 75. Me an 80. Battlefield 5, Josh is 90. Me an 89. Red Dead Redemption 2, we tied at 96. Fallout 76, 81 for Josh, 79 for me, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, 99 for Josh, 95 for me. Again, we want to hear your scores. So take that list. I will write up a blog post. I will put it in the show notes. It will be our pinned tweet if you can't remember those 10 games. We just want to know what do you think they're going to score? What is their average going to be on Metacritic? Like I said, those are due September 7th is the date that they are due. Obviously, Spider-Man and NBA 2K19 will come out then. So if you're holding on to your results until then, I totally understand. But that still gives you eight games to play with. Or if you want to be a real competitor and you want to submit that early, you go ahead, you submit that early. And then maybe I will give you extra bonus points for not waiting until the very last minute and already knowing two of the scores. I want to defend my last score. Defend away. I don't know. Legend of Zelda is a 97, and there's no way this isn't better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I think Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is also the highest rated Metacritic game ever. I think think it is, yeah. (laughs) So, no big deal. (laughs) I may have said 98, or maybe a 98 for um, one of the Grand Theft Autos. But anyway, so you're saying it's going to be the best rated game ever. That's a small, small thing. Well, hey, we've been going pretty long, but we do have a few listener <laughs> questions that we always enjoy hearing from you all. So we want to hit those here as we begin to wrap up the show and, and head towards the end of the day. Remember, you can always hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter. Email us, boardwithvg at gmail.com. First question comes from Mr. PSVG himself, Donnie, at Play in Nintendo. What do you think about fan-made games? Do you like the indie approach to make the game comp- to make the games companies seemingly won't have issues with anyone creating something using an IP they don't own? What do you think, Josh? Fan-made games, yay, nay? Should people be able to make them? What do you think? Okay, it's a sensitive subject and topic. I think. If you want to be creative and make your own game, like a fan-made game, that's fine. That's when you start charging for it when it's a problem. You're essentially stealing someone's creative thoughts and ideas and profiting on them for yourself, which we talked about plagiarism last week. It is a form of plagiarism. Um, So I don't agree with that aspect. Just like people who um, have been modding Smash Brothers and like adding... Um, characters from other licenses and then selling those mods that's illegal so i i'm not in support of people making money off of them um but if you're a creative person which i certainly am not in that aspect and you want to make a really cool game of your favorite ip and play it with your friends more power to you but just remember there are repercussions for what you do and and if you think it's worth it to risk that I don't. Well, and, you know, intellectual property and, and all of that is, is an interesting thing because we see game companies and people talk about how game companies sometimes are, are so happy and that they, you know, are very litigious and all these things. But, you know, they have some responsibility when they own an IP that they have to be, they have to protect it because if they don't, 
then it actually comes into the question of like, well, how important or valuable is this IP? And is it, is it, should you own a copyright on it if you're not even willing to protect it? And all these other good things. So I think fan-made games can be cool. I think when people do it as a tribute because they're like really excited about something and they want to show off like how much they enjoy a product, that's awesome. Like go ahead, create a game that you play with your friends or your family, go to town. But don't be surprised if Mr. Nintendo or Mr. PlayStation or Mr. Xbox comes by and says, yo, you can't really do that because uh, it's probably going to happen, you know, so... I think if it's done out of a purely fan perspective of like, I wanted to create this cool thing for me because I think it's neat and I want to have this other way to experience it, go to town. But I also don't know that I think that, and this is probably because I'm old (laughs) and I, I know the copyright laws in our country are not ideal and probably broken in some ways, but part of me, the old part of me is like, that's not your thing. You know, like, I get it. You love it. And you want to make this cool thing because they won't. So you should be able to. But that's not your thing. And I know I'm old. Like, I get it. I just, I have a hard time getting over that sometimes. So I know. If you want to unsubscribe, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, I don't. Please don't unsubscribe. If you disagree with me, I totally understand. Like I said, I'm just old, you know. So, all right. (laughs) Do you want to take the next, next next question, Josh? I'll take the next question. <laughs> okay, so uh, super fan, super listener, Splig, uh, at Dopalicious, asks, <clears throat> what are some good, quote, kid, unquote, games? Uh, they're still really fun, that are still really fun for adults. I'll fix that, Kramer. <laughs> right now here was the big winner with the in-laws' vacation. So um, Kyle and I talked. It's tricky with kids' games. Um, and he did say that he hopes they don't take his, but we also didn't talk about what his were. So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen here? But <laughs> um, we did. We definitely threw some games around. There's a game called um, Survive: Escape from Atlantis. I think they also have some expansions. It's a pretty classic board game, meaning that it, classic in the old sense, like it's been out for quite some time. Um, I think it's family focused, but it's definitely um challenging enough that adults can enjoy it where you're essentially uh, all racing off of an island and moving sea creatures to try to take out other players um and each of your meeple has a has a point value on the bottom of it and you only get to look at them once before you place them and you have to try to score your highest pointed meeples to win so you have to kind of try to remember who is where and try to knock out your opponent's high pieces. So it's a very fun game. It's pretty easy to learn and um, it's not so quick that you feel like you need to play another game after. So I think it's a good for like a family game night kind of situation where you can play one game and kind of retire for the night or go watch a movie or something. Um, There's a bunch of other smaller stuff. Uh, Magic Maze we've talked talked about before. That's great. Um, I don't know if I call it a kid game, but it fits in that genre. And I think if you're an adult who can maybe set aside, we'll use your imagination a little bit, uh, Fairy Tile from Yellow um, is definitely a kid's game, but uh, my wife and I played it and enjoyed it. We just think we would have enjoyed it more with a kid playing it with us. That makes sense. 
Yeah, you know, since I don't have kids, this is always really challenging for me because I don't <laughs> when people are like, what age is this game good for? I'm like, I, I have no idea. I just don't know. <laughs> when I worked at the video store, people would always ask me if movies are appropriate for kids. And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what's appropriate for your child. Uh, but games that I, I guess probably would fit into that, I think, are uh, the Forbidden series. So Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert games like that, I think, are really good that definitely are friendly for kids but even as adults like we still my wife and i and uh you know we'll play forbidden island for visit forbidden desert together or with our parents so i think that is something that fits i think um some of the storybook games uh or story focused games from plaid hat so mice and mystics and um stuff fables probably would be good those might be a little more complicated but i think since the story aspect of it it might help push towards things that can be good there and then i think the other one that we talked about very briefly before the store before the show whew, my little studio here is getting very warm uh is harry potter hogwarts battle i think is a good fit as well you know the game starts off very simple which i like as far as a deck builder goes it starts off very basic so depending on how old your kids are you can keep it at that basic level or you can continue to build through the rest of the books and stories and make that a little more complicated as you go and kind of get to a place or have it grow with them slowly as they feel more comfortable with it um, and that's a fun game as a deck builder for adults too that i think it was a really good time. So those are ones I would re recommend. The Forbidden series, uh, those games from um, Plaid Hat, and then Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Also, I've heard Drop It is fantastic. And that's definitely a kid's geared game um, where you're, you're dropping shapes into a very thin board that stands upright. And uh, what's... It's almost like Tetrisy style. Yeah, and there's a game right now. Oh, what is the game? Is that Target? Because as part of their whole remodel games they picked up, it's a dexterity game that the board is like part of the box. The uh, board is the box. It's um, not Clank, but is it Clank? No, it's clank, not Clank. Clank. I will hopefully figure it out before the end of the show. How? While I look for this, you go ahead and ask Coach Hulk's very Coach Hulk question. Okay, so Mahoney family at Coach Hulk asks. Yes. If Madden was a board game and it had three overpowered characters, he's he's Jay Taylor would be number one according to Coach, but who would be number two and number three? I think I have a question for Coach. He thinks Jay Cutler is overpowered because I watched him play last year and he is underpowered. <laughs> That's just for Coach. Uh, coach, there I don't is think a, Coach uh, is going. I don't think Coach is listening to our show ever again. There is a NFL Showdown board game um, that I've heard is very good, and I think it's on sale on Amazon. So if you're looking for football board games, I would check that out. And I'm joking about Jay Cutler. Uh, hopefully, Coach doesn't get too mad at me. Uh, but, I mean, Tom Brady has to be number two, I guess, if he can't be number one. Uh, for me, and Tom Brady would be number two. Um, I don't know about number three for me. There's so many, like, overpowered. I'm trying to think of, like, active players, if we're doing active players, if there's anyone who stands out as this, like, huge, great, maybe Odell Beckham Jr. for me would be number three. Um, but I don't know. That would be, I mean, Tom Brady, for sure. Jake Culler, you can stay, I guess. We'll see how you do this year. Maybe number three will be the Browns. No, they're number two. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. So I don't follow NFL football very closely anymore. 
I don't really actually know that I could name. Like, I can't. Yeah, I'm just not much of an NFL guy anymore. So I would go with classic NFL players okay. that are classic to me that are near and dear to my heart that when I watched a lot of football. So number two overpowered would have to be the great Vikings wide receiver, Chris Carter. Okay. That man could catch a ball no matter where it was thrown, and he was amazing. So I'm going to have to go with Chris Carter as the number two overpowered. And I think for the number three overpowered, I am going to go with a modern player because he is from my alma mater, and he is potentially going to, again, be the starting quarterback for the Eagles, and that's Carson Wentz. Wow, okay. Yeah, he, North Dakota State alum, as I am. So, you know, got got a rep. My, my fellow NDSU grad. So that is who I'm picking, Chris Carter and Carson Wentz. Okay, interesting. Maybe not, the best, maybe not the best duo for overpowered, but that's what it is in my heart. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> and really briefly, the game I was trying to think of is Ice Cool. Oh, Ice Cool. They don't have yeah. that at Target. Oh, my Target has it. Oh, really? They only yeah. have it on my Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. No, my Target totally has it. I really so. want to get Ice Cool. I've heard good things, and Ice Cool yeah. 2 is coming out very Indeed. soon. Indeed. So... And I think we have one more question from Kevin. Is that correct? We do. Mr. Kevin Austin trapped us an actual message on Twitter <laughs> in our DM. He slid right in. Uh, he says, question for the show. Are there any upcoming games I should be on the lookout for coming soon or 2018 in general that can be played during a lunch break or less? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I am totally kidding. Um, Kevin, a, a game that is available that just came out, which I talked about at the top of the show, it is called The Game. You can get it at Target. It is under $10, I believe. And it is a perfect lunch game. In fact, it's probably a game people will watch you play and want to play with you. Uh, and I'll give you a real quick synopsis. It's a deck of cards numbered one to a hundred. You create two, you create four separate stacks or well, four separate cards. You take out the ones and the hundreds. So there's two ones and there's two one hundreds. You shuffle the deck, depending on how many people are playing, you get a set amount of cards. And between you and the people you're playing with, your goal is to work together to go through the entire deck with the one ascending to 100 and the 100 descending to one by playing cards numerically uh, with what you have in your hand. And every turn, you have to play two cards, no matter what. You can play them in any pile. You can also play more than two cards, but you have to play two. Uh, If you play uh, 10, if you're going up, if you play 10 uh, numbers below where you are, you can jump back in time. If you're going down, you can play 10 numbers previous and jump back. So you can basically like number travel. Um, but, you know, we played and it gets very tricky because you have to play two cards and you might have to play a 50 on a 20 and it's ascending and you could really cripple the whole team. So it was awesome, really fun. And again, that I will continuously play. You can also play solo, which is great. Very cool. I don't have, I think the hard trying to think of games coming up here. Um, obviously, Gen Con just happened and, you know, the next big game show is Essen. And though Essen is, you know, a, a bit out still, you can start finding lists of things that are supposed to be coming out at Essen or being available at Essen. And one of those games that 
might be a touch long for lunch because I think they say the initial preview for it says it's 30 to 45 minutes. So depending if you're a 30 minute lunch place or a 60 minute lunch place, um, but it's supposed to be a little bit of a lighter game for one to four players. So you can still play it by yourself if you wanted to. Um, and it was a game that was originally announced as Sun Moon, um, but has now changed its name to Selenia, um, which is supposed to be coming out, like I said, at Essen, I believe. Um, but the reason I'm interested in this game is this, the designer of it is Sebastian Dujardin, um, or Dujardin, depending on who you talk to. Um, and he has done some really excellent games. He did um, is the designer of Deus and the designer of Trois. Uh, so, and I think he must really enjoy having games that are difficult to say <laughs> because like if you try to look up the game Twa, it's t-r-o-y-e-s but that's how you pronounce it um and just like selenia is s-o-l-e-n-i-a and then you know davis is yeah but anyway um so he's done some really cool stuff and some really excellent games um you know those two obviously being the bigger highlights so i'm really interested to see how this game plays out and like i said it should be available they had a preview for it at gen con should be available later this year uh, seems to be getting some hype from people who have played it or, or got to see that preview. So that might be something, if it hits the U.S. this year, that you want to keep your eye on. And that's Selenia um, coming from, I believe, Pearl Games is who is publishing that. So with that, I think we've run through all of our questions. Josh, what do you say we wrap up this episode? Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again every week. We love it. <laughs> that sounded so sincere. We really do. I'm just a little off. Uh, remember, you can find us on social media at Board with VG. Uh, use that hashtag, hashtag Board with VG. Um, thank you to our listeners who are actually doing at Board with VG um, when they're playing other games and getting uh, some likes from those companies because that was very helpful for us. <laughs> uh, you know who you are. Uh, Facebook.com slash Board with VG. And of course, the empty Gmail folders waiting for fanfiction board with vg at gmail.com uh speaking of that we do have potential exciting news coming up for us um a few friends uh we can't wait to share any and all news with you guys um as far as plugs for me you can find me at why so serious s-i-r-r-i-u-s on both xbox and playstation you can find me on steam at josh bones 715 and i'm on the switch Find someone on PSVG. Look through their friends. You can find me. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's it for me. What do you got, Kyle? Awesome. Well, you can find me on all of the stuff at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. That's Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. Remember, hey, we want to have your entries for the Metafall tournament, the games we're looking for. What meta scores do you think? Spider-Man, NBA 2K19, Tomb Raider. Forza Horizon 4, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Battlefield 5, Red Dead Redemption 2, Fallout 76, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. What meta score do you think those Metacritic score do you think those games are going to get? Send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We will score them at the end, and you can win yourself a free video game. And I think that's a pretty darn good deal for about 10 minutes of your time. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. We, we want to talk about what you want to hear about, so let us know the things that are on your mind and what you'd love us to cover. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Stop gaming.